you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Mm-hmm. And we certainly do appreciate that. Um, today we're going to be discussing The Greatest Journey, which is a part of um, packing shoeboxes. And in fact, I think it's, it may be, um, well, I want to say it's probably the most impart, important part of what we do when it comes to packing shoeboxes is making sure that the gospel gets yes. to those who receive shoeboxes. Yes. Now, the reason I say it may be the most important part, and the reason I say that is because we know of the testimonies where the gospel is shared mm. um, along with those shoeboxes even before um, some of the kids are able to be a part of the greatest journey. But the greatest journey became a more tangible way to teach, to actively teach uh, not only the gospel, Mm -hmm. but also how those kids could share the gospel. So not only do they learn it, but they learn how to then share with their families and with their friends. And so that's vitally important. We're going to talk about that um, in just a little bit. But what I wanted to do before we got to that is I wanted to um, have a little bit of a conversation around just one of the news stories that I'm reading about and watching some videos. I kind of can watch interviews and pieces, um, which is kind of how we're used to consuming media these days. You know, we kind of watch when we want. Um, but I, I just, this um, this Ethan Crumbly and um, the parents, James and Jennifer Crumbly, the 15-year-old kid who um, shot, I want to say 11, 11 kids mm. at the Michigan High School and um, and four, four young people mm. died. Man. And I have been trying to process that, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, you never, um, like you never really kind of get used to those news stories. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you, you, although it has become more routine, I, I think back to, um, for us and you correct me on this, if, if your experience is a little bit different, but for us sort of like the jolting, um, sobering occurrence was columbine yes for us. that was huge Do you remember that I, that was like a moment was, where you uh, yeah. it just you couldn't believe the, that something like that could happen ever you know and certainly mm-hmm. you know um in a context where you existed you know like as right. a student you're you're learning about this information <laughs> and so um but then you fast forward and it seems that in our country we have repeatedly had kids take other kids lives and, you know, we've done shows on this. We've talked about it. We've we've tried to process together. And, you know, um, and I'm again, I want to go back to the authority of the word of God, you know, um, that accurately pegs the human condition mm-hmm. and our great need for a savior. This is something that you cannot get around. Um, but as I was watching some of the interviews, I, I watched an interview in particular with a mom who lost her six-year-old son in the Sandy Hook shooting Mm -hmm. um, back in 2012. 
And she was giving some stats that just kind of really struck me. And then she arrived at a position that um, I thought, you know, it's interesting. I don't think I would have arrived there with all of the information that she was sharing. And this mom was talking about losing her son, uh, six-year-old Jesse, uh, back in 2012. And she said, in the last nine years, we've had 350 school shootings. In the last wow. nine years, 350 school shootings. And then she said, we've had 28 school shootings in 2021 alone. Wow. 28 school shootings in 2021 alone. And then she said, we've got to deal with this. And, and she goes, we, we've got to stop dealing with the problem. We've got to get to the root mm. of it. Like, what is the root issue? What is causing this? Like, not looking at just the situation and saying, well, it's this or it's that. You know, she goes, what is the root issue? And, and then she said, these kids have not been socialized properly. And she said that was the root issue, that, you know, these social skills, these emotional skills, she said, we're not born with them. Um, we have to be taught these skills. These kids are lonely. Um, they are not being properly socialized. They're not being taught. And I was thinking about that. And mm. I was thinking that, you know, today we're going to be talking about the greatest journey. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about how the gospel, how truly coming to Christ, truly being converted. I'm not talking about when one calls oneself a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about cultural Christianity, whereby one grows up familiar with the things of God, like sort of around the things of God. And you think that somehow by osmosis that makes you a Christian, a Christian, you just absorb it. And then therefore you are one. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the spirit of God coming to take up residence in your heart. Mm -hmm. The guarantee, the seal, the promise that when the Lord Jesus returns again, you are going to be with him. Right. This is different from how many of us, I think, process and understand I shouldn't say many of us how some of us process and understand Christianity in America for most of us it is just we grow up in a Christian home and so I am Christian or for some people it is you ask them when they came to faith in Christ Mm -hmm. and they tell you how long they've been a Baptist Mm. (laughs) they say I well I grew up in this church right or Methodist, or I, I grew up here. And, and so the point of reference doesn't become the encounter with God whereby you have come face to face with the realization that you are the right object of wrath as it pertains to God. You are, you are the right object of God's wrath. Not like the, um, well, I don't understand what the issue is. I mean, I'm a pretty good person. You know what I mean? It's not, <laughs> it's not the begrudging realization mm. that you are the object of God's wrath. It is the understanding that you should be. That, that, what, that the beef, if you will, that God has with you or the case that God has against humanity is locked solid. Yeah. It is like you're, you're not going to contest that case that God has made against humanity. And when you recognize that and you, you come to grips with that and then you encounter the Lord and you recognize that what God offers you is a way out, hmm. a way out of the judgment that you deserve. That's right. Right. That's a different conversion, <laughs> different conversion, right? <laughs> Only one is conversion, but that's a, that's a different experience than just saying, well, I've always grown up in a Christian home hmm. or I attended this church for as long as I can remember. And then that becomes like our testimony that becomes how we know the Lord. Right. And so I had a different 
I had a different reaction as I was looking and reading some of the details of this case, which I find a little bit fascinating because somebody correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think that this may be one of um, the few cases where the parents will be held yeah, responsible I, and are charged. Me. I, I, I never heard of that, but uh, apparently where they are, that four counts of involuntary manslaughter each. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and I'm, I guess you're going to get into it, but reading some of the details, I was like, man, these parents were very irresponsible. It does seem that way. Doesn't it, it? seemed that way from what, from what I read, you know, some of the text and, you know, uh, uh, quotes from the mom and the dad, what they were yeah. saying when the, when the, the child was saying certain things, it felt really lighthearted, like oh, and callous, and, yeah, and 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 you know, lightly. I think, yeah, to to say the least in in the response, yeah. Um, and so it seems like the prosecution, you know, obviously they revealed some information the public knows, but then there's more information, um, that they have that would make it, you know, yeah, um something that they would feel like they could they could rightfully charge the parents with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Right. Um, you know, to know that your kid has some issues and then to entrust that kid with a lethal weapon and then to have been called down to the school. Right. The same day of the shooting. <sighs> I don't and understand then, that. But, but I, I actually have some questions for the school, school as well. Yeah. Like how is the, the child Be- left at the school? Because they made the decision to not send the kid home because they didn't want to send the kid home to an empty home. They thought the kid was having some emotional issues. Hmm. They didn't want to send the kid home to an empty house. They thought he would be better served being around people. And, 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 and then also the kid who was who look, and he's going to be charged as an adult. So the shooter, the shooter who was, um, was called out about his drawings and his sketches of, you know, murdering people and, and sort of reveling in that um, him saying that he was working on a video game mm. the sketches for a video game that he was working on. It's just, you know, this is, he wants to be a video game designer upon graduation and, and, you know, but again, even, and, and maybe I am just a simpleton when I think about these things, I'm a simpleton, you know, because I think when I see stuff like that, now this is, this is, you know, my, my perfect small little piece of the world, where I go, I'm just not sure that that's enough for me, even if it were true. Yeah. I'm thinking, but why are we fantasizing about murdering people and, you know, lots of blood everywhere? Like, why are right. we, why are we, right. but then, and, but then, but then I kind of walk it back and I think we have created a culture where we have people, not just our teenagers, we have people who do not know what it means to be human. Mm. They do not know what it means to be made in the image of the creator God and to have inherent worth and value because of that fact. We, we have created that. And so I was listening to these interviews and I was just kind of like listening to several different interviews, um, trying to glean the facts and understand the details but also it's interesting to me just as a broadcaster, it's interesting to me um, to to watch where the world falls on these kinds of events Yeah. versus where people who fear God fall. <laughs> right. Like those of us who know the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, 
okay, it may be true that you have kids who are struggling with loneliness. We mm-hmm. are really witnessing the loneliest generations that mm-hmm. we've ever had in this country. Even with all the devices even, and everything. <laughs> even with all the connectivity. Yeah. All, all the, but they mm-hmm. are, our, our young people are uh, overwhelmingly lonely. Um, describing themselves as having fewer and fewer friends, more mm-hmm. so than in the history of the surveys that they take where they um, look at the socialization of Americans. I mean, it's just insane. And you think that people are so hyper-connected and yet they're disconnected. So those things are true. I'm not saying that those things are untrue. Right. But I guess I don't look at those things and say, um, that's what causes people to go and take other people's lives. Yeah. I think there's something bigger than that because there are lonely people who are lonely and don't go and take other people's lives. Mm. But I think one of the things that we have to do, and we've, we've done a few shows. We did a series of shows where we talked about lawlessness in a land and what it does in a land. When we normalize lawlessness, when we feed lawlessness, when lawlessness is exalted and celebrated in a culture. And then I would add to that. Not only do we celebrate lawlessness, right? Where there's, there are no rules. People just do whatever they feel. It's kind of like a time of the judges type thing where people Mm -hmm. can just do whatever they think is right in their own eyes. They just make up their own rules as they go along. Um, But then I think you add to that. So you've got a time of the judges type situation happening But then you also have an increased lack of understanding of what it is to be human. Mm. What makes us different from monkeys? What makes us different from other created beings? That we uniquely, the Bible describes us as being made in the image of God. And and by the way, we do not um, fill our kids with this understanding. We don't fill our kids with the right fear of God. We've been, again, we've been going through Galatians and we do a a deep dive, a drill down into a book when we study it. And so with our kids, we've been looking at the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. And it's amazing as we were looking at the different works of the flesh. And and by the way, the apostle Paul says to the Galatians, um, things like these. So in case I missed anything that you might be thinking, oh, well, then maybe that's not. Nope, that too. Things like these, right? Right. But the Apostle Paul says, I warn you now, as I warned you before, Hmm. that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what we say is, hey, there are consequences for your actions, but they're not just consequences here. There are eternal consequences for our actions. And yet we are holding that type of information back from our kids. So essentially, there is no fear of God in their eyes. Hmm. All right, we'll grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Mercy Me, best news ever. We will not get tired of talking about um, the greatest importance that is the gospel, right? Because <laughs> we're about to go into talking about the greatest journey. And this is not an overstatement. Like this is, I just wish that, and, and, and I won't stay here too long because we do have a guest Right. So I will practice talk about the fruit of the spirit, self-control, self-control is very important. Um, 
the greatest journey that we will go on will lead to us meeting Christ, encountering him and receiving forgiveness for our sin, being reconciled to God because of what Jesus Christ did that was totally once for all sufficient. And I'll just leave it there. And I'll just say that we're going to have a conversation around the greatest journey and how you can be a part of it, how you can help kids uh, enroll in this uh, program that teaches them the gospel and also how to share the gospel. And joining us today to talk about that is Hannah Bolvey. Hannah, how are you? I am well. Thank you guys for having me on the air with you today. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm hoping that you can give our listeners who maybe for the first time are hearing about The Greatest Journey, maybe they have um, packed shoeboxes for the first time this year as well. And this is going to be a new introduction. Uh, Explain what the, The Greatest Journey is. Absolutely. I would love to. So The Greatest Journey is a 12-lesson follow-up program for the shoebox. Um, as you said earlier, you know, every time we give a shoebox to a child, we um, want to make sure that they are hearing the good news of Jesus. But, um, you know, having somebody share with you the good news of Jesus one time is amazing, but um, we we don't come to full maturity in Christ through a one mm. moment hearing the gospel one time kind of experience. And so we really don't want to just leave kids um, in that heard the gospel and now we're piecing out, you know? And so um, there is a um, real intentionality in identifying and training local believers wherever we are all over the world. So Moldovans in Moldova and Ugandans in Uganda, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have local trained believers that we are equipping to um, come alongside children for 12 weeks to um, teach the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program, which is going to spend about six lessons teaching them um, what the gospel is. We need to take Mm -hmm. it, as you were saying about Galatians, you need to take a deeper dive, you know, into (laughs) that. You need to kind of dig in and say, this is what um, this really means. You know, God created all of us in his image. What does that mean? Um, and we all have this common problem called sin, and we can't get out of it. We are stuck in it. What does that mean? What are the consequences of that? What have people tried to do to get themselves out of that? Has it been successful? No, it has not. And here's why. And so then, you know, of course, Jesus enters into the picture. He was different. Mm-hmm. Here's why he was different. We spend several weeks talking about how he wasn't like anybody else. Here's how he interacted with children. Here's how he interacted with women, which back then would have been, you know, really groundbreaking Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. here's how he was able to you know feed 5,000 but also valued the widow's might you know so we we spend some time looking at who Jesus is and then on week six um, we really talk about and deep dive into his death and into the resurrection and Mm -hmm. what that means and so we we take the time to walk through the gospel with these kids so that they Mm. have a deep understanding of it Mm. um, for six weeks. And then the next three weeks are teaching them to grow in their faith. We're teaching them basic Bible study tools. How do you open God's word and find something, you know, read it and, and learn from it and, um, you know, and be able to grow in your faith. And then the last three weeks are really focused on sharing their faith. You know, how do you, um, how do you have the courage and the boldness perhaps in a culture that, is going to be very anti what you have to say, um, mm. to say it anyway. 
And so, um, so that's kind of the overview of the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. And uh, we're seeing amazing fruit. You know, when you have the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God, things are going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's amazing to see what God can do. Man, I bet there's some great stories that come from not only the, the children being able to be discipled and learn how to read the Scripture and be able to apply it, but when they have a chance to share with their friends or, you know, at the end where they're able to go out and actually share with boldness, I, I bet there's some great stories that come from um, that. Yeah, totally. There are there are so many. You know, I was actually um, talking to a, a friend this morning about a little girl who um, was actually not even kind of in, they hadn't intended, she wasn't on the list, so to speak, for receiving a shoebox. Mm-hmm. Um, they were literally on the way to an outreach event and a teacher saw her playing in the dirt by the side of the road um, in Botswana and said, hey, we're going to do this event. You know, why don't you come? And so this little girl playing in the dirt by the side of the road ups and goes with them, you know, and um, and here's the gospel mm-hmm. and enrolls mm-hmm. in the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. Wow. And her life was so transformed over the course of the the first like eight weeks <laughs> that by week number nine, her mm-hmm. mom was saying, okay, you got to tell me what's going on because wow. you know, yeah. the sass is gone. She's <laughs> obedient. She's helping her, <laughs> wow. her, her siblings, you know, wow. like what is happening? And so that mom came and on week nine and on week 10, she brought her sister. So the little girl's mom and aunt are now sitting in the back of the class. And mm. by the time they're done, there's like eight family members in the back of the class. Wow. And they're all basically, they went to the teacher and they said, this was really good, but we missed the first part. Would you start over again with us? <laughs> wow. And so you have these adults now and, you know, so long story short, the family, the whole family has been transformed. Mm. Um you know, because when, again, when, when God's spirit is on the move, it's palpable Mm -hmm. and, you know, we, we change in his presence. And so if we're not just telling kids about God, but if we are introducing them to God, Mm -hmm. they will be different and it will be palpable. And so, you know, we're focusing on finding Uh, ministry partners, brothers and sisters that God has already put on every continent, in every language, um, all over the world. Um, We're looking for those people that know him. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to equip them to go where they have not been. Oh, man, this is beautiful. It it almost sounds to me, Hannah, sort of like has the um, the this is the reason I left you in Crete kind of, it has that kind of ring to it, like to put yeah. in order some things that remain like um, that Paul cared deeply about those who, whom he had evangelized, that they would be growing in their amen. faith, that they would, there would be order and that they would understand the beauty of this relationship that they had entered into. And it seems to me that Samaritan's purse is doing this is, you know, because this is vital, right? We say we want people to come to know Christ and we want them to grow and deepen in that knowledge that they have of Christ. And it seems that the greatest journey allows for that. And and I would say that something else that is spectacular is that you are taking people from among the people who have been reached and they are reaching those people. There is almost um, a greater investment there because these people are saying, let me tell you about a man who told me mm-hmm. all about my life. And mm-hmm. then those people are telling other people. 
Absolutely. And, you know, that's that's how the gospel has always spread effectively, yep. you know. And so, you know, we um, our outreach events where we are giving shoeboxes to children, they are not, you know, it's not a bunch of people from the developed world flying into the undeveloped world, taking selfies and, you know, giving sh- gifts to the children, right. saying love Jesus and peacing out like it mm. is a an investment in the local church to train and equip the local believers to be effective wherever they go. And so, um, you know, sometimes I like to say that um, the shoebox is kind of like a plate of cookies. If you have a neighbor move in down the street, you might make, you know, a plate of cookies or your famous banana bread or whatever it is that you like to make and take it as a to go introduce yourself to your new neighbor. And it's not, you know, because you can't talk to people unless you have cookies in your hand or it's not that what your neighbor needs most is a plate of cookies but the cookies give you a reason to go right it kind of gives you that like excuse to knock on that door and the shoe boxes do that the shoe boxes give our brothers and sisters all over the world um, a reason to kind of knock on a door that they otherwise might not have a reason to knock on and then after we've knocked on that door and we're building that relationship, then we can really deeply invite them in to to really know the God to whom we speak and whom we are building our lives upon, right? And so, um, but that is done through the local church. Mm. So let's talk logistics here. Let's talk about, um, in addition to how this happens, um, and you've just communicated that so beautifully, um, the the way the classes are set up and and how the weeks are, are filled. Let's talk about how we get these classes to these areas. Let's talk about um, the cost that's involved and how um, the AFR family can come alongside Samaritan's Purse and uh, ensure that the greatest journey gets to kids all around the world, because this is not a small thing to do. I know for our family, which we I'll just tell you, Hannah, um, (laughs) it's it's Will's fault. Okay. Oh, it's my fault. Um, okay. We we wanted to physically <laughs> stuff shoe boxes this year, but he got confused on like days. And it happens a lot. So right. I try to show him grace. It yeah. absolutely was mm-hmm. not me. I'm joking. I'll it was it. totally me. It was totally <laughs> me. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So we ended up doing um several shoe boxes online, which yeah. you know, I got it's okay, but we really like to do it like physically. We like yeah. to do it like That's you we've know done in the past. So mm-hmm. anyway, but he, the reason I say that is because while we were stuffing shoeboxes online, we were also able to help send some kids on the greatest journey. It was it yeah. was a feature of us doing that. Um, but for people who stuffed their shoeboxes traditionally, um, this is an opportunity for them to also send some kids on the greatest journey. So let's talk about how that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, obviously we are translating and printing resources in over a hundred languages in order to Mm. be able to do this effectively. And so we have boiled it down to a basic cost of about $6 per child allows us to print a beautiful color workbook for every kid, um, in their own language. They're sturdy and, um, really engaging. Um, and that's becomes their, their student workbook for the 12 weeks. And they also get a graduation certificate when they graduate and a copy of the Bible in their own language, mm. as well as the $6 helps to cover the cost of that teacher training and the teacher's leader guides and um, a Bible for them as well. So um, all of that, um, all of that happens 
for six dollars a child, which when you think about even trying to buy a Bible for a child for six dollars, right. you know, it's Absolutely. the economy of scale, which helps us greatly. But still, um, but, you know, we, we we have millions of children, um, you know, usually about 10 million shoeboxes are packed every year. Wow. And we have millions of children that say, yes, I want to be discipled. Um, and we have, you know, thousands and thousands of pastors and ministry partners who want um, to be the disciplers. And so, but we've got to bridge that gap and we've got to create mm-hmm. those resources. So it's $6 per child. And um, you guys have set it up so easy for everyone to participate. Um, everyone can call one 616 2396 2396 um, I'll say it again, 8, 1-877-616-2396 or um, donate online at AFR.net. And that uh, it just makes a huge difference because, you know, if you are able to do $60, that's 10 kids. Mm-hmm. Or $150 is 25 kids or, you know, you can do the math, but, um, it, it, it all, everyone kind of pulling together makes a huge difference. Amen. Amen. We have an opportunity to share in the joy, um, that is, uh, evangelism and discipleship and, uh, seeing the gospel spread. And I, again, I'm reminded of the apostle Paul, um, that he was not in need of anything. He'd learned to be content, but even the things that were given to him in support of the ministry, he saw those things as a credit to the giver. Like mm-hmm. this is what is credited to you. You've given to me, but really it's to your credit. And I think today, even for us as Christians, it's so important for us to understand this worldwide family that the Lord has given us. I mean, in himself, he's created this family and that when we are supporting the, these various ministries and this outreach, it, it really is credited to us. This is something that in eternity we get to share in the joy of the growth and the deepening of these relationships, don't we? Absolutely. You know, it's just it's such a privilege to to be a small part of the big thing that God is doing. You know, he's going to work all over the world. He owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills, um, but he invites us to be a part of what he is already at work doing. And it is a privilege to be a part of it. Amen. Let me give the number again, 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can help some people who you will meet in eternity, <laughs> okay, be a part of the greatest journey. You can do that by going to AFR.net, AFR.net. One other question, I know we're headed to the break here, Hannah. Um, I'm wondering if out of this ministry, out of... Um, the discipleship and the evangelism that happens. I wonder if you also have testimonies of churches being planted. Like, do you, do you see growth in that way as well? So so many. Um, Yes, absolutely. Um, Operation Christmas Child really um, is in an initiative right now to reach unreached people groups. Mm -hmm. We've been working on this for about the last seven years and we've had the opportunity to reach um, over 150 um, unreached people groups and plant churches as an outflow of this all over the world. God is at work and it's exciting to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. Okay. 877-616-2396. 877-616-2396 or online at AFR.net. AFR.net. It's the next phase 
of stuffing Christmas shoeboxes and blessing children. Mm. It's the next phase to send them on the greatest journey. $6 will send one child on the greatest journey. Of course, 60, 10, 150, 25. I was laughing at myself when Hannah said, you can do the math. I was thinking, well, some of us, maybe not. So anyway, (laughs) 877-616-2396. Or you can give online at AFR.net. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. you've heard this before and you really wish the church could say more to you because god don't seem as close as you want to please remember however he can no be there do whatever you can't no the gospel we need the um we need the gospel in our country we have a we have a sin sickness that we have um denied and we've ignored to to some extent i'm not saying that for everyone you know um it's only true for those for whom it's true (laughs) that we have ignored the lord we've ignored his mercy and his grace and and we are seeing um almost sort of like the the exponential um rebellion right like it's it's just multiplied in our land and and not only have we um to a large extent ignored and and Mm -hmm. forgotten God. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have normalized a rebellion against God that you could argue even in lands where they, you know, don't claim to fear God. They don't do those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they don't, Mm -hmm. there is still some sort of external control or curtailing, you know, however that might appear. But I think for those of us who understand the richness of God, and by the way, Will the Great, last week your show, um, your program was phenomenal on um, whether or not ask, asking the question, are we a godless nation? Have we um, turned away from God? And I, I, I thought the case that you made was a beautiful one. Um, it, Of course, it's uh, chilling. <laughs> but I, I do think that um, there is a case to be made for us needing a collective and consistent repentance and not just thinking that who we once were, we always are. Right. You know what I mean? Like we don't, right. we don't need to um, survey that. And and I think that 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 has been a type of arrogance that has come from us, and um, that the Lord cannot ignore. Yeah, will not, but cannot ignore because we, what does it mean for us to describe God as holy? Mm. What does it mean for us to have um, the the law of God? Like, and, and think about this. And we have the the law and the rules of God, if you will. These things emanate; they come from the nature of God. They these things are such that they are because of who God is, right? Right. right? Like, and I think sometimes people think of like arbitrary rules in place, and then they attach those rules to God, um, but they don't start with God. Like, God doesn't become the starting point, and then you say, "Wait a minute, we have this because." of the holiness of God and the nature of God, that God is revealing to us who he is. We don't do these things because these things run counter to the nature and the character of God. And, and, and because we don't start there, because we, we don't start there. Um, there's no way you can start off wrongly. Right. And then just think you'll stumble upon getting it right. <laughs> right. There's gotta be a conscience, a, a conscious turning from your error. A, yeah. a, there's gotta be an eye opening moment. 
right? I think Ephesians describes this as but God, right? right? We were dead. Right. <laughs> we yep. were dead. Okay. Yeah. But God. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's got to be like dead men don't raise themselves. Yeah. So there's got to be um, the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God, whereby your eyes are opened and you say, man, I need a savior. I'm not sufficient on my own. I, I can't do it. Um, and, yeah. and I think that that's what we're seeing. Even as I think of this Oxford, um, Michigan uh, shooting, yeah. and, I, and I think of these people who I, I can't imagine, you know, whenever we have situations like this, yeah. I think of the ages of our children, mm. you know, and we've got two teenagers. Mm. You know, I think the youngest victim was 14. Mm. You know, I'm not I'm not ready to say, OK, well, that's it. It was it was great that we had Mariah for 14 years. You know right. what I mean? Like that's right. I'm not I'm not. You know, and so right. I think of those parents who that that's their reality. And then you think of the days that you wake up following that and the numbness of that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and something that could have been prevented. Mm. Um, yeah, that's the thing. When you look at it, it's like, man, it, it could it seems like it could have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, a thing that did not happen, prevent it. And so but to your point about, you know, we as a nation that we can't think like we always going to be you know where we were or the reality that we are not you know that's even the same in salvation like you have to come to mm-hmm. a, a the, the come to grips with man i need a savior like i'm not good mm-hmm. i'm not good so in mm-hmm. order for there to be change or you know revival or whatever we say that we seek as christians there has to be like a realization that man we're not good that's like right. <laughs> we have turned into you know a wicked people and mm-hmm. so once you have that realization, I think then, man, you can go to God like with realness and say, man, this is what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. not as a, you know, just trying to you know speak bad words upon the nation or anything like mm-hmm. that. But like the reality of things and God help us, you yeah. know, but you have yeah. to get to a point where you realize that, man, we're not good. You know? Yeah. I mean, look, to think that to think that a person now, listen, I look. I, Okay, put it put this in the file folder labeled for what it's worth. Okay, you got that sticky note on it, so just put <laughs> this in that Manila folder. But let me just say here, if if I may, um, the fact that we come down off an alert by saying, "Oh, he was just designing something for entertainment," mm. and it involves the taking of life and you know huge amounts of blood, like, and and then we we say wait a minute, should we be concerned? And he says, no, I'm just designing, I'm just designing a video game. And we're like, oh, it's just for fun. Do you, mm-hmm. you understand what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we don't value life that we think that that is entertaining, that yeah. that, that that should kind of like assuage our, our concerns. Like, oh, okay. Well, if it's, if it's just entertainment, what I'm saying is we keep moving the standard. We've moved the standard so much that now we appease ourselves with things that we would have found unthinkable in generations prior. Right. Like that would not have appeased prior generations. Like, wait, no, that's still, that's concerning, you know? And, and, and then, you know, we learn, we're reading the information and we learn about the, the parents who were notified that he was searching for ammunition and the mom responding, I'm not mad at you. You just, you just got to learn not to get get caught. caught. Like what? Whoa. Like, man. Yeah. There's so much in that, by the way, like there's so much that's, it's like break the rules. Just don't get caught guys. And and I'm going to tell you when, when, so when I think about things like that, I think about the inability often that is present 
in parents, the inability to tell their kids, no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Or no, you cannot. Or no, you should not. Or no, you must not. Or my personal favorite, no, you will not. <laughs> You're just not. It's not, it's not happening. And, and we've normalized that in our culture where we don't want to hurt our kids' feelings by telling them that they can't. Or telling them that they that they won't. Dr. Kathy Cook, um, eight great smarts. Man, she said something that I thought was brilliant. And as, as I say this, it's going to like kind of shock people a little bit. But she said something that I thought was brilliant. She said that parents tell their kids, you can be whatever you want. Whatever you want, you can be whatever you want. And she goes, no, they can't. No, they can't. <laughs> your kid can't be whatever your kid wants to be. Your kid can be whatever God has said your kid can be. Mm. But you understand the difference there? It, like for some people, there's like a, eh. Yeah. But for others, yeah. it's like, wait a minute, hold up a second. Yeah. But we spend our days telling our kids that, that you have complete and total autonomy. Do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You don't stop and say, wait a minute, it's God who gave you life. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for that life. Hmm. You're made in the image of God. And from that, you derive your, 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 your value yeah. and your wealth. Like this is, this is, this is how you, you know, determine that you, you're worth something because you're made in the image of God. And we've moved away from that. Guys, we we have uh, learned, please excuse me that this seems like a contradiction in terms, but we have learned to secularize Christianity. We have learned to make it just, you know, just so that people will um, accept certain forms of it. And, and unfortunately for us, we've not really been able to peg where those differences are. Like even in the church, we don't know where those differences are. Like we, we, we have some forms of secular Christianity that's normal in church because we're, we're doing those things that look and just feel a little bit enough Christian that we don't have to inspect our lives. We don't have to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, which the Bible Mm -hmm. tells us to do. Like check yourself. Yeah. You understand, we were talking to our kids even just this morning. We're looking at Galatians. And, and, and so, so we asked them the question, jealousy, <laughs> envy, rivalries. Guys, mm-hmm. in America, please listen to me. It's not, it's not the big things often that's tripping us up, right? It's the things that we have normalized. Hey, the Joneses have two. We'll go get another one. Right. Oh, I can't believe they're if they're going to. Well, then I'm going to. So jealousy, envy. Right. Rivalries, divisions, all of these things. And so what we're asking our kids, because they're the glaring ones, like when you start looking at the works of the flesh and, and you think of sensuality and sexual immorality, I think that there are a lot of people who are just like, yes, absolutely. But then you start getting it's like, hold on, hold on a second. But are you divisive? Hmm. Right. Are, are, are you like, you know. What about um, competing against people? What about that? What about envy? Yeah. Are you, are you jealous over what other people have? Like, what, what about those things? And then when we start talking about those things, we're like, well, that's not. Look, it's un-American to be anything other than that. <laughs> Man. Come on, guys. We are entertained by it. We, we call them reality shows. Mm. Where we get to where we get to we, <laughs> we get to joy in people's brokenness. Yeah. We're entertained by it. And again, we go back, we ask the question, we're like, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, you know, what it, I'm not trying to be a cotton headed ninny muggins. That's elf. That's an elf <laughs> line. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, you know? Um, but, but, but what I'm saying is the Bible instructs us very clearly to examine ourselves, examine ourselves mm. and see where we are. Like it should, it should not be just another day 
in this country where we're, you know, exploring the fact that the taking of innocent life, right, um, happened. And, and by the way, if I could just segue into what we do to babies daily, hmm. right? I mean, yeah. but again, where does it come from? It comes from a devaluing of life. We don't know what it is to be human. We don't, we don't understand our distinction. We don't understand it. And one of the things that um, we were talking to our kids about, even just this morning, that these things are not small to God. And how do we know that? We know that because by the spirit of God, through the apostle Paul, Paul runs a highlighter over it. Right. And he says, I told you this before. Yeah, I'm telling I you again. I warned you before. Yeah. I warned you before. Mm-hmm. And I'm warning you again mm-hmm. that people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. <sighs> I warned you before. And I'm warning you again. People who do these things and even things, by the way, that I haven't listed here that fall into these categories, mm-hmm. you know what they are. In other words, Paul is saying, you know. You know, he says, I'm, I'm warning you again, as I warned you before, that people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. And and think about it in a context um, such as the one that we live in today. Um, we are doing those things without the fear of the warning. Mm. We are we are living those things. And, and every now and again, we'll have those jolting, those jolting moments. Every now and again, we'll have those headlines that kind of grab our attention. But I'm saying, but hold up a second. What are the seeds that are being planted every single day? Before we ever have these kinds of headlines, it's crazy because it's almost like like if the if the nation had a mind, the nation would have a reprobate mind. Wow! If the, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, to believe to believe that we're just man. we're just okay. So now let me say this too. Let me say this because then I think the questions, um, and rightfully so, I think the questions then become like, man, what do we need to do? Man, we got to shore up our homes. Yeah, guys, we gotta we gotta shore up our homes. Like you've got, because listen, and this is what I, I'm, it, it's like, if I, if, if we could take families and say, guys, um, cause we used to say things like each one reach one. Right. <laughs> but now I'm at the point where I'll just take an each one, like just, each, <laughs> just one, you right there, you take charge of yeah. that domain that yeah. God has given you that Amen. place. Know what your kids are involved in. Know how your kids are thinking. What are they steeped in? What are they looking at? What are the thoughts that, that are warring inside their minds? Which by the way, if you talk to your kids, then you know that they have some wars in their minds. Mm. Guys do yeah. not kid yourself. Yeah. Do not kid yourself. Our kids are being actively discipled. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, Our kids, we personally are actively discipling our kids. They are our disciples and they have wars and battles in their minds. Wasn't there? And how do we know? Who talked uh, about the families being like a cell? Like, yes, yes. Um, uh, Dreher, Rod Dreher. Yeah. You Um, know, just like, oh goodness, I forget the name of the book, but yes. Like a cell, you know, like having that type of intention, you know, like this, we're, we're doing this, like, and and like you said, bringing the families together and, and making sure our children are being discipled and trained and Live seeing not it. not by lies. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. And and seeing it as like, man, we are we have this cell. We have this that you know we're we're doing this, you know, yes. and we're doing it for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. What are you doing? What are you doing to create um, that kind of discipleship cell? Mm-hmm. Right. That that intact cell that would be the family structure, the family unit. And I don't care what phase you're in. I don't care where you are in in all of this, but taking seriously the mandates that we have from the Lord God, that we don't outsource 
the discipleship and the training of our children, that we don't ignore what's going on in our homes. Our brother Abraham Hamilton says it um, the best when he says God is far more concerned about what's going on in your house than what's going on in the White House. Mm. Amen. And yet it's easier for us to play out on the lawn. You know what I mean? So to Mm. speak, it's easier for us to deal with those issues because we're like our lawn. (laughs) I don't want to deal. Man, you got to deal with those things. Yeah. Amen. Like maybe down the line, it's each one reach one, you know? Yes. Okay. But for right now, let's start with, let's just take it back a little bit. Let's get our bearings on. And let's say each one, each family, guys, know those who are under your roof. Amen. All right. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.